it's one of the great benefits for this team right now is to have the ability to just manage your personnel and and just focus on little things here and there over, uh, about their game and they, they don't have to tax anybody going to you know trying to push into the playoffs or you know avoid a certain matchup like it's it can't be overstated how, how important it is to be able to have Bergeron and Krejci and, and other guys just Marsha and just have them manage and feeling as good as possible going into the uh into the playoffs um just looking ahead briefly to, not to jump jump too far ahead but um they have a pretty they have a good test, I think, coming up in this road trip coming uh going out west to Seattle, who was we saw them in Boston earlier this year and, and they've kind of come back down to earth a bit, but they play hard, so they'll be a test. Um you have Vancouver, who's a bit of a dumpster fire, but I think there's always motivation for Vancouver to play well against Boston, even though it's 11, 12 years removed from the cup finals. And then obviously you got the Oilers and the Flames, so mix in travel and and potential um, I guess sluggish starts and whatnot, but what are you guys looking for out of this upcoming road trip against some, some um, pretty good teams out there? Yeah. Well, Seattle, especially obviously they're a team that came into Boston and beat them. That was the Bruins first regulation loss at home this season. So sure. There's, you know, a little bit of extra motivation there. Seattle has slipped a little bit recently, but still a very good team right in the thick of it in the West. Um. Yeah, yeah so that's a great test. Two and points off of first in their division. So yeah. Um. You know, Vancouver. I can't say I'm too excited. Of, you know, Bruins should take care of them, but uh, you know, Vancouver has some good players. So like, if you're in a, if you're off your game, they can definitely take advantage and put up a couple goals. Um. We'll see if the Bruins just bring Luke Shen back with them. You know, just pick them up while they're there. That's what I was going to ask you. I was going to say, do you think they're going to bring them to Edmonton with them for the following <laughs> game? Um, well, yeah, it, yeah. my, I, just to make a quick point about the, they have a, a back-to-back against Edmonton and then Calgary. And Calgary is another one of those teams where we're talking about wildcard teams. Like they're one spot out of a wild card, So you're hitting these teams that are desperate for points right now. Um, so that, that makes them a little bit more dangerous too. the fact that they're just only a few points out of a wild card spot and trying to keep themselves in the mix. And that's going to yeah. be the second game of the back-to-back. I feel like those, that Calgary, the Calgary Edmonton trip, it feels like that's a back-to-back more often than it's not, which is just kind of weird. Like, I, I don't know why team, I guess you don't really want to spend a day off in, in Alberta, but um there's some pretty national parks up there that's true yeah they could do a team trip to banff that would yeah that's what i would do yeah but but yeah i mean like when when those two teams are good that's a you know it's a tough back-to-back for opponents and to your point like edmonton is in the playoffs right now but not totally out of jeopardy by any means and calgary's right there fighting for their lives yeah i'm i'm really anxious and curious to see how how the how this Bruins defense handles like McDavid and Drysaddle. I mean, they're they're I mean, per usual, they're playing at an all world clip, and McDavid's just completely on top of his game. And it's just like I I would be surprised if Edmonton were to make it out of the West. I mean, we'll see what happens at the deadline, right? But I I, I just I feel like they just they're too reliant on on their their top guys, and we've seen how that's gone in the past for them. 
But if they have a if they have an impressive deadline and and McDavid just continues to just put them on his back and dry sidle, Edmonton's a team that the Bruins, if they take care of their conference, you could potentially see that as a matchup in the finals. I mean, I think I don't think they're the deepest team out west, but they're certainly um, the most top heavy. Well, I, Colorado's top heavy as well. But I'm curious to see how these two teams match up. I'm curious to see if McDavid struggles against. Lindholm and McAvoy and Carlo and their length and Forbert and Clifton. Like, let's just see if this Bruins defense can continue to do what they've done all year against the best player in the world. Yeah, for sure. And like, I'm thinking back to last year, I remember feeling like at least the game in Boston, the Bruins actually did a pretty good job containing McDavid and it was Dreisaitl who went off and beat them. So, you know, that's, they, they've been playing McDavid and Dreisaitl together a little bit more this year, I think, but you know, they'll still split them up at times. And so you'll probably see both, like even within the course of a game. Um, but yeah, like that's the other problem is like you can key on McDavid and potentially, you know, limit him and then dry saddle goes off. So uh, yeah, I agree with you though about Edmonton, like still feel like that team needs help at the deadline. It's really the same old story with them, but also, you know, Western Conference is. I think the East is wide open. Well, Bruins are the favorite, but the East has like five really good teams, maybe six. The West is kind of wide open because you don't really have too many truly great teams. Like you, I could see Edmonton beating just about anyone because I don't love really any team out West. I think it feels like we've just been waiting for the Avs to kind of take over and get back to Stanley cup level. And it's like, well, that's not quite the same Avs team as last year. They're not quite as deep, you know, so see what they do at the deadline. But, um, yeah, the Edmonton could have a chance, especially if they do improve enough at the deadline. Yeah, even if you just look at the points in the standings, like Dallas and Vegas are tied for most in the Western Conference. And the Bruins and, with 72 points, and the Bruins have 91 points. Like, and then in Carolina has 82 points. Like the, there's a difference between the, the higher caliber teams in the East and the teams in the West. But um, I want to talk about the defense. Cause you guys were, were mentioning, you know, how, how could they shut down McDavid? But I want to talk about how they played uh, today. And there were a few really important small plays that guys were making. Uh, first of all, on the penalty kill. Uh, some really important clears. So some guy, uh, Carlo, this wasn't on the penalty kill, but Carlo saved the goal. Like the puck was loose in the crease and he just found it and just took it out of harm's way. Um, and Clifton had this stick lift that kind of like was kind of under the radar, but I forget who it was, was in alone, was about to lift a shot probably over Allmark's pad. And Allmark was kind of out of position. And all of a sudden Connor Clifton comes behind him, little stick lift puck goes into the corner you know, no harm there. Yeah. I, I didn't think the senators had a ton of great chances. I thought the, you know, and Linus Hallmark even said this after the game, he said like, we kept them to the outside pretty much. Um, yeah. It's the defensively, they have really picked it up over this past week, starting with the Dallas game um, where, you know, think the team defense had slipped a little during that mini losing streak or the four out of five stretch around the all-star break and now really looks back in form. And 
at a pretty critical time, obviously leading up to the trade deadline, because they've been linked to all these defensemen and everyone kind of has that as like, Oh, that's what they should target. You know, we can still debate that. Cause I, I do think like a fourth liner could also be worth targeting for them. Um, but yeah, like uh, whether it's consciously or maybe subconsciously, I'm sure some guys kind of hear some of that chatter and, you know, want to play their best. Like, Oh, that they're looking to add at the deadline. Like, Oh, I'm not going to be the one coming out of the lineup. Like I'm going to show why I deserve to keep playing every night. Really? You know, the only mistake Monday was Grizzlick's turnover that led to the Ottawa goal. I thought Grizzlick made some other good plays. He had a nice rush, a bice that included give and go with Krejci that nearly ended in a goal. It went to review, but puck never crossed the line. Um, but yeah, like, uh, you know, and I thought Grizzly had been playing well before that. So all these guys are trying to step up showing that, you know, they've had this, these same six guys together, these same pairings together for months. And all six of them want to show like, we deserve to stay in the lineup. This is our best lineup. Like, you, you know, there isn't an upgrade out there for you to get. So um, yeah, kind of, you know, an important stretch because, the Bruins internally are evaluating every game, trying to decide like, do we need an upgrade in this group or do we just need maybe a seventh guy to come in and, and back up these six? Yeah. I think there's no spot. Like there's no spot on defense besides an extra like backup depth person that would come in in case of an injury, which we know tends to happen to the Bruins defense in the playoffs or sometimes right before the playoffs and leading into the playoffs. So I feel like they there is no and, and Razor talked about this on Sunday Skate too. Like there's no holes. So you're not we're not talking about like having to like you don't need a top six forward or or you know, you don't you don't need a big defensive piece. So what do you do? You you don't wanna mess with the team like and how successful it's been the way the way it is. It's more of like almost just like uh hoarding for like in case of an emergency, like hoarding an extra defenseman, just so that you you're you covered that base, and and that that seems like the most likely thing. Well, Scott, you made a good point, I think, online about how like the asking price for a guy like Gavrikov is is the asking price. Like, is he that much more of an upgrade over what they have on their third pair? And it's just it just doesn't seem like that. So, I mean, to your points about the Bruins defense to a man stepping up in the last you know month or so, or, or at least since the mid season break. And look, let's face it. The team was burnt out and they were playing some really heavy, really motivated teams against the Bruins leading into the all-star break. Like I think we all kind of saw a few losses coming there. No big deal. But like Connor Clifton's done nothing to play himself out of this lineup. Derek Forbert has done nothing to play himself out of this lineup as a regular. In fact, I would make the argument that they have played so well that you really have to like, I don't know why, like, why do I want this guy Gavrikov to come in and just replace one of them? I don't, I don't know a ton about him. I'm sure he's good. I'm sure he's decent, but is he that much of an upgrade over any one of those guys at the price that he'll be, um, he'll, he'll be needed to be acquired. I don't know. So I guess it's interesting to see how the next few weeks play out. I really don't know. It feels unnecessary. Yeah. And then like, you know, one of the response, most common responses I got, um, on Twitter, when I made that thread about, you know, would Gavrikov really be worth it was, 
oh, he'll be an upgrade over Grizzly. Like you can't count on Grizzly in the playoffs. And it's like, I, I understand the concerns about Grizzly, Grizzly's health in playoffs past, but just like on a, a raw player to player comparison, like Vladislav Gavrikov isn't as good as Matt Grizzly. Um, Grizzly has been the Bruins. He, he has the best five on five goal differential of any Bruins defenseman this season. They score goals and they don't give up goals when he's on the ice like that. I don't know what else you're looking for. He's literally um, a top pair. He's a top pair def- defenseman for you. And yeah, we're and, talking about adding a third pair defenseman. You know, I think like the one argument maybe for a guy like Gavrikov would be that he also plays big penalty kill minutes and Grizzly obviously doesn't play on either special teams unit. Um, Gavrikov could eat minutes there that, then, you know, either Lindholm or McAvoy wouldn't have to. So, like, I could kind of see that argument. But, yeah, I mean, what are you going to do at five on five, though, if you bring – if Gavrikov goes in over Grizzly, either you're putting him with McAvoy, which is a risk, because then you're hoping that he's able to play on that kind of a pairing. Which um, Forbert wasn't. Like, that wasn't a good fit. Right. When they brought him in thinking that they could plug him in there. Yeah, and the, and like there are some. I think Gavrikov has a little more offense to his game than Forber, but like there are some similarities there. You take that also back. Get... Take that back. <laughs> Nobody has more offensive upside than Forber. What are you talking about, Scott? <laughs> well, yeah. To the to the point about the kind of player you're adding, and we've talked about that. This has been a topic since before the season started, before the preseason started. When they hired Jim Montgomery, it was like we want him to like we brought him in to help the defense get involved in the offense and you have a pairing with Grizzly and McAvoy that has like this optimal ability to do that and work in that system and hop into the offense and when you're switching out a guy that we already know can bring that uh for someone that you're like okay this this might slow down that pairing or at least limit the offensive potential for that pairing that there's just in my mind first of all you're you're giving away draft picks or you're giving away a player from your current roster when it's not even, there's no need to at all. So it just seems like there's double the downside. You're giving away draft capital. And if you're the Bruins, you probably don't want to move someone off your active roster. It's a risk to move someone off. your. So just like doubly doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. And when Grizzlick's in the lineup, you, if you load up your top pairing with Lindholm McAvoy, you know, matchup dependent or just game situation, whatever. We know Grizzly also works with Carlo. They've played together a lot in the past. I would be a little worried about a Gavrikov Carlo pairing. That's that'd be two guys who aren't great with the puck on their sticks and aren't really puck movers, aren't like getting aren't great getting involved in the rush. So, you know, like there would definitely be concerns there. Um how about a Gavrikov Forbert pairing? I mean, it's like a third parent that can just take a beating in the D zone and kind of keep teams to the outside. But again, it's like Forbert Clifton works and, and does yeah. that. So like, what, what do you really need to change that for? You know, I, I would love Gavrikov to come in as like your seventh D and just compete for ice time. Like he, he he's a good player. Like I, I don't hate Gavrikov as a player. I just hate the idea of giving up a first round pick for him when I'm not, convinced that he would 
really be a huge difference maker for you. Can you imagine giving up a first round pick for a guy that ends up like being your seventh defenseman? Because you're like, say, say Clifton, Forbert, Grizzlick, whatever, all six of the guys they currently have are playing so well that you cannot justify taking them out of the lineup, which is likely. You just gave up a first round draft pick for your seventh defenseman who might not get much or any playing time unless somebody gets hurt. Like you're, you're looking for a backup plan. You're not looking for a guy. Like if I was Gabrikov too, I probably wouldn't want to come to, to the Bruins um, unless there was another defenseman getting out of town, because why would you want to come to a team where you're just like, okay, I was clearly good enough that they, that I deserved such a high draft pick in return, but now I'm sitting. The fit, Yeah. Sorry, Scott. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, especially because he's an unrestricted free agent after the season. Like, this is a guy who wants to play in, in a playoff lineup. You know, one for a chance to win, but two to boost his own value, which he's not gonna do if he's not playing every night. Yeah, it's for me like the fit. Just it just doesn't it doesn't match what the asking price would be. Like if if, if you're talking about a decor that like your third pair was Clifton and Mike Riley, and not Clifton and Forbert. Okay, that would make more sense because you you want a guy like that, but you already have a guy like that in Forber. And while on the same token, like the more depth, the merrier. I get that, but for me, it's just about the asking price. Like Bridget was exactly correct. It's like, what are you gonna do? Spend a first round pick for a guy who's possibly in your top si- in your top sixty? It's or it could be a seventh. Like that just makes no sense to me. You know, so it's 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 strange. You should be only having to give up like a mid round draft pick to add a depth piece, like. If you're considering giving up more than that, you're probably making the wrong move. I don't know what the asking price for somebody like Shen was, but um, you're making too big a move, basically. If, if your goal is to add depth and you're you're looking at a first round draft pick, it's just it doesn't make it's sense. Gotta be, it's got to be a top four defenseman if you're giving up a first rounder. I mean, it, it, bar none for me. It has to yeah, be Lindholm, four. like Lindholm. So yeah, top four, if not top two you know, our top pair defenseman. Um, guys, the, uh, I, I wanted to get your opinion before um, we wrap up is uh, the East gets richer. Uh, so Tarasenko goes to the Rangers. Um, and and uh, the other night, the Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs added 2019 Bruins killer, Ryan O'Reilly to, to their forward depth. Now I made a comment last time we spoke about how the Maple Leafs could add Wayne Gretzky up front. I felt they need help on defense. But Ryan O'Reilly is a splendid two-way player. Um, I don't know if he's at the level he was in 2019. I don't think he is. Spoiler. But he's certainly a good addition. And also old friend Noel Achari, who Achari, who we all know works his ass off every shift as well. So two, I think two pretty good ads for Toronto. Yeah, definitely. The Leafs, at the very least, needed to upgrade their bottom six because they've had a lot of rotation, a lot of guys – in and out, not super effective. Um, obviously, Achari is a really nice fourth line piece for them, but O'Reilly's the big get, and they can use him really any number of ways. Like he could be their third line center, and now they immediately have one of the best number three centers in the league. They could use him on the wing. He's played a little bit of wing in the past. Um, his his first game with them, they had him as second line center and actually bumped John Tavares over to the wing, which, you know, that's pretty terrifying as well. So, uh, yeah, Leafs definitely got better. Um, you know, I've, I've said before, like, I like their decor. 
the the guy I maybe like the least is, you know, the one making the most money, Morgan Riley, because I just don't think he's very good defensively. But the rest of that decor I like. Um, they could definitely have issues if someone goes down. Uh, you know, I think like the Bruins are probably still looking for some depth back there. Um, still have questions about their goaltending for sure, but they got better. And, you know, just like waiting things out it, or not doing something big isn't an option for them. Like they, it doesn't matter that the Bruins and Lightning are in their way. Like they have to win a playoff round, at least one. Like they have to. It's it, because at some point, you know, Kyle Dubas, GM there, who I think has done a mostly pretty good job for them. But if this streak carries on, like ownership's not going to care. You know, hey, hey, we have to go through the Bruins and Lightning, two really good teams. Nope, you didn't get out of the first round. Like, now you're out of a job, too. So, uh, yeah, they had to make a move like this, and they did. I, you know, would certainly still take the Bruins roster on paper, but they they helped. And I would maybe even still take the Lightning in that series. Um, but they definitely closed the gap, for sure. Yeah, and I, I wonder if they're done. Like, I feel like they're probably – like. I don't know. They might add, like you said, a depth defenseman. They could be in the same market the Bruins are in that category. Um, but at least if you're the Bruins and you're the other teams, you can kind of know that that was their big move and that you're only going to be expecting maybe something small or nothing at all from them the rest of the way. And you kind of have an idea of who they are, like their identity is now. And no no doubt adding O'Reilly, it, it almost felt like a – specific stab at the Bruins like this is we need a team that can beat the Bruins who can we add that we know can beat the Bruins and then they go out and they get this guy who um kind of he'll never be um Boston will never forget him uh it it doesn't matter just the way that that series ended up um in 2019 so it felt specific first of all they brought Nolachari who was a Bruin and then O'Reilly um it was kind of like shots fired in a way. Yeah. And, you know, in a potential playoff, like just thinking ahead to potential second round matchup, if O'Reilly does end up in like as third line center and, you know, instead of playing the second line where he started, it's like that could become a matchup line that at least on home ice, they try to get against Bergeron and free up Austin Matthews more because, you know, in the past, both regular season and playoffs, we've seen, Bergeron versus Matthews a lot. And that's, um, you know, they can both, both have won that matchup at times, but that's certainly, uh, you know, been a tough matchup for Austin Matthews. 